Well, let me ask you this morning, how would you describe your faith today? How would you, how would you rate your faith level? High? Maybe not so high? Maybe sometimes higher than others? I think we can, we can all say that, right? What are, what are your expectations, day in and day out, what are your expectations on God doing awesome things in your life? Well, maybe that was for younger days, or maybe, I don't know. Right? You ever wish that you could be this, this person of great faith, that you would consistently just have these expectations that, that God would be doing awesome things? Well, I believe we're going to see that that's possible uh, for you and me, based on God's word. So I want to bring you a message this morning. I'm going to entitle, From Faith to Faith. From Faith to Faith. So go ahead and turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We saw last week because Jesus died, taking the penalty for our sin and rising again, he broke the curse of sin and death for those who will believe. And now the disciples could uh, receive the Holy Spirit and be born again as new creations in Christ, something Jesus said we all need to have that, that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Interesting, uh, when, you, when you contrast the Old Testament, remember, this is, this is in, in, the, in the scriptures, it's one story all the way through, right? In the Garden, the Garden of Eden, right? All we have to do is know what to do, and we can do it. How did that work out for them? Two pages later, right? The thoughts and intents of people's hearts are only evil continually. Okay, that didn't work. So let's call Abraham and let him start a whole new race of people and let's spell it out for them. Let's, let's give them the law, exactly what God wants to do. And God will dwell among them and everything will be hunky-dory, right? How did that work out? Not too well. Why? Because there's a problem after the fall in the heart of man, isn't there? And any amount of knowledge and trying so hard, as the Bible says, we all fall short of the glory of God, don't we? So God says, instead of just giving you something on the outward and telling, I'm going to come and live inside of you, and I'm going to lead you personally. And that's going to make all the difference. So the disciples, they believed the Holy Spirit came in to give them life, to give them that relationship with God. And then if you've been following along, I, I, th this doesn't really pertain to the body of the message, but, but it's here, and it can be a confusing uh, scripture, I, depending upon how we read it. Because in verse 23, Jesus says this to the disciples, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Kind of an important scripture to understand, you think? I mean, does Jesus actually give to the disciples or to some, the ongoing members of clergy or, or, or whoever, right? The authority to forgive or to refuse to forgive sins? Can you imagine if you or I had that authority? Ooh. Could God really entrust that kind of power 
to frail human beings? No. And historically, from their writings, the early church fathers didn't understand it that way either. So how do we understand this verse? Well, let's see it in action. Uh, just like the Levitical priesthood was empowered to pronounce atonement for sins, right? The, the people brought their sacrifices to the tabernacle or to the temple, and they were offered before the Lord, and the priest was empowered by God to say, okay, your sins have been atoned for by this sacrifice, right? So likewise, as people come um, to the church with their burden of sin, and we say the sacrifice has been made, it's Jesus Christ who shed his blood for you, if you will but put your faith in him, you are clean, you are Cleansed. We have the authority as the church to pronounce the forgiveness of sins. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. It's not us personally forgiving anybody or letting somebody off or, you know, lo and behold, I'm not going to forgive you and now God's mad at you because I'm, you know, you know. No, we are pronouncing the, the, um, the actual tense of the Greek verb, we're pronouncing something that's already been done. Okay, So, no, we don't have the authority to let somebody off the hook um, based on how we feel, um, but it's based upon the gospel. Okay, moving on. Uh, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Remember, Jesus came, locked room, they were afraid, as they should have been. He appears in the room, and uh, but Thomas wasn't there. Doesn't say what he was doing, he just wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So eight days later, John says, his disciples, Jesus' disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, once again, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he turns right to Thomas, and he says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand. Place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord, and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Father, would you bless this word to our hearts today? Speak to us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I think down through the ages, you know, we have that phrase, don't we? A doubting Thomas, you know? It's, it's like Judas. How many people name their kids Judas? You know, when something happens to something, to somebody, you know, it, it kind of carries on. And we, we have this doubting Thomas. We have this uh, thing about this one disciple that he didn't have the faith of the other of the disciples and he was the doubter. Why didn't he just believe Jesus and, and all this kind of stuff? But yeah, do you remember back in verse 20? That when Jesus appeared the first time, they were all like scared to death. You know, here this man just appears in the room and 
And we don't know if it's a ghost or whatever. And what did he do then? He showed them his hands and his side, didn't they? Didn't he? So they already had this experience, right? They needed that same kind of reassuring proof. So let's not just get down on Thomas. Um, but I think what's going on here is something a little bit further with Thomas. And, and, it, and it needs needs to be brought out. Um, it's Thomas's unwillingness to take the word of his trusted friends, right? I mean, here is the other ten, right? Judas is off the scene at this point. Here are the other ten, and they are all saying to him, we have seen the Lord. What, are they all lying to him? I mean, these are the guys that he has basically ate and slept with for, for ten years, or for three and a half years, Right? Is this, this is his closest friends, and they're all saying, we saw the Lord. And he said, not going to believe it. Not going to believe it. But, but more than that, it wasn't just the word of his trusted friends. This was on top of the words of Jesus, who had already told them that he would die and rise again. Matthew chapter 20 beginning of verse 18, says, See, we are going up, this is Jesus speaking, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. I mean, you can't get any plainer than that, right? So Jesus had already prophesied his death, had already prophesied his resurrection. He said he would rise again. The other disciples said, we have seen him. And Matthew's like, not going to believe it. Until he physically stands in front of me, right? And I can put my hand in the, in the, in the nail prints in his, in his wrists and, and in his side, I am not going to believe. Again, try to put yourself there, though. Okay, uh, you, you, you follow Jesus around three and a half years, right? Ministry, he's doing miracles and all these things and teaching. And, and then you see him die. You are sure that you're sure that you're sure that he is the Messiah, that he is going to raise up the kingdom. He's going he's to put his throne in Jerusalem, flanked by, by you and, and all the other disciples. You're going to be you know, his, at his right and at his left, and, and you just know that you know that this is going to happen. And then he dies. You, you, ever, you ever really believe for something, and, and it doesn't happen, and it just messes with you, Right? This was messing with Thomas. He's struggling. He's weighing it over and over in his mind. And he says, I guess I must have missed it. I guess I must have missed it. And he resolves the fact, the, the, the only way I can, I can figure this out, I was wrong. I missed it. We all missed it. It's over. Right? You just read it into the, into the content. It's over. It's done. And once coming to that conclusion, Thomas needs proof to the, to the contrary. And I, I believe this is worth talking about because I have both witnessed this as a pastor uh, in churches through the years, and I've experienced it in my own life. And it all comes down to this. Faith versus circumstances. How many know what I'm talking about, right? 
faith versus circumstances. You're believing God for something, but everything in the natural is saying, impossible, can't do it. Right? I mean, the Bible's full of it. You know, from Moses and Noah and Gideon and I mean Mary, you know. It, it's, it's all the way through. And yet we all experience it in our, in our own lives. The promises of God, the, the faithfulness of God versus this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm going through. And we begin to turn these things around in our minds. Maybe you get inspired by a passage of Scripture and it lifts you up, right? And, and, and it, it, just, it just fires you up. Or in your own devotional time or in Bible study, uh, sermon at church or on the radio, uh, you, you just, ah, yeah, this is God talking to me, right? Or, or maybe it's a song that we hear. How many have been inspired by songs, uplifted in your faith by music, right? All of us. Um, maybe through someone else's testimony. Maybe one of the lay leaders stands up here and says, this is what I went through, this is how God. It's like, man, God can do good things in my life too, right? That's, that's, that's what we're here for. And we get all fired up in, my, in our faith and we say, God, you are awesome. You can do anything in the world. And we get filled with joy and we pray with boldness and confidence. And then, boom, the bottom drops out. Circumstances come and it is a mess. A physical problem, a relational problem, a financial problem, right? And still, though, we're, we're still kind of fired up. So it's like, okay, here comes the test, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to face this, and I'm going I'm to be bold, and I'm going to believe God. And then it just keeps going. And it keeps either staying the same or maybe even getting worse. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about. Things are getting worse. I'm praying in faith, and I'm standing on the truth, and I'm believing God, and it's getting worse, and it's getting worse. And I see my faith start to get a little... Right? Am I preaching to the choir? Am I <laughs> right? Is this is this where the rubber hits, or is this stuff we go through? Absolutely. Absolutely. Or 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 you know maybe even as in the case here, right? Some someone that we're believing now is gone. I mean, you can't get you can't get any more. That's the end of things than that, right? And we struggle like Thomas. And we probably reason things over and over in our minds and try to make sense out of it. I don't know how it is for you, but I don't like things unsettled in my mind. I don't like to leave a situation or be in a situation where I'm confused and I don't know what to do. I, 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 gotta, I gotta put a handle on this somehow. I gotta make it make sense. So that I can move on, because if it doesn't make sense, I can't move on, and I just hate that feeling, right? So we 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 put it together and resolve it, so I can deal with it. I can put a plan into action, or I can put a closure and 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 move on. And I think that's where we get into trouble. Like Thomas, okay? He came to the point. Look at it again, verse 25. Unless I see his hands, in his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, watch this now, I will never believe. Thomas had crossed a line. He resolved it. That was it. It was over. Right? 
Thomas had what we can call, I think, a crisis of faith. Because again, it was, it was not just the testimony of the other disciples. It was Jesus' own words that Thomas said, Jesus said this, he said, but I watched him die. Right? That's a crisis of faith. Thomas had seen Jesus walk on the water, feed the 5,000, and raise Lazarus from the dead. I mean, there were times that you just know Thomas was up here on his faith. He was fired up, Jesus, you know, all the way. And now look at him. It sure looks to me that he had reasoned it over, that he had been mistaken about who Jesus was. It was done. And his once vibrant faith is now in pretty sad shape. You know, from the time I became a, a solid believer, um, from, from my first pastor on, uh, in my own study of the Bible preachers I've listened to, I have always believed that God is alive and well. That he still does amazing things. He still can do miracles, supernatural, bonafide, can't happen in a million years, but here it is, miracles. I've always, always believed from, from the start of coming to know the Lord that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? And, and my wife and I, we have prayed through the years, being, being in church leadership, uh, prayed and fasted for a number of personal situations in our lives, for other people's situations over the year, you know, just weeping with them at the altar and praying. And, and, and you know, as a leader, you have that, that other added layer on, i got to stand in faith, i got to project faith, you know, into this situation. And uh, there, there, there have been times that I have felt that I have heard from the Lord that just clearly I felt the Lord, you know, saying something in, in my spirit and against what I saw in the natural. And I stood on that word and it's like, yes, God, I believe you. And man, oh man, miracle happened. God stepped into that situation, turned that thing around, and it was marvelous. I've also sensed in my spirit right from the start, praying for somebody, um, they're not going to get the miracle. That, that they're they're looking for. I just this God's got a plan. It's not what we all want. God's got a plan. But also, to be perfectly honest, there have been times that I thought I heard from the Lord, and I knew what was going to happen, and it was going to be miraculous, and it was going to be awesome, and it didn't happen the way that I felt it was going to. Or, 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 or maybe times that I tried to impose my will on God. You ever, you ever get that? Lord, this is the way it has to be, Lord. It can only work out this way. This, this is the plan. And I, I, that's it. Nah, 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 nah. I'm not going to listen to anything else because it has to happen this way because that's what, you know. Anybody relate to that? Because the way I see it, the way I understand this situation, there's just no other way for it to work out, right? And there's the key. There's the key right there. Let me have heard this verse before, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own 
understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Yes, I get it. They saw him die on the cross. They watched Jesus die. Perhaps in faith, waiting for him. You know, even even up to the last minute thinking, he's going to come down. He's going to come down. He's going to just float right down from that cross, and he's going to show them all. And boy, is that going to be awesome. We're all waiting. Come on, Jesus. Just come floating down from there and just show them your glory. Remember up on the mountain, you know, the whole transfiguration? They want you to do that again. Bright as lightning, and wow, and you'll just show the Romans and the Jews and everybody else just who you are. Let's go. Um, Jesus, uh, uh, I mean, if I can figure it out, you can figure it out. Come on, you can do this. And he dies. Right? And it's over. The man is dead. He's dead. He who had the power to raise Lazarus couldn't raise himself. I don't get that. Right? I'm trying to trying to be Thomas here. I don't get that. It's over. It's just time to accept the facts and move on. And can I tell you that over the years, I have seen people really just on fire for God. I, I mean, I mean, people that you just thought were going to change the world. I mean, they just believed God for anything, and then something happened. And I watched them fade into the background, warming up a pew on Sunday morning, Knowing that they're saved, but that's about it. No expectation on God to do anything because they apparently missed it before and I guess I don't hear from God and I guess God doesn't do miracles anymore. And so I guess we're just going to just, you know, come to church and be nice and smile and, and, and just wait to go to heaven, right? All of that zeal, all of that vibrancy, um, gone. I just don't expect too much anymore. Right? Is that you? Or is that someone that you know? Once vibrant in their faith, you know, just boom. And now they're saved. But not expecting a whole lot. Now obviously I can't get into all the aspects of prayer and faith today. I mean that's just huge. Um, but can I remind us Today, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Isaiah 55, verse 8 says this, For my thoughts, God speaking, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's face it, as clear as we think that we see things sometimes, me included, there are usually all kinds of other factors involved in different situations, right? Bart was just telling us in men's group uh, this week how he used to think, like many of us, about homeless people and how well, you just ought to go out and get a job. I mean, come on, you know? Why, you know, why don't you just go out and get a job and just change things? There's lots of opportunities out there. I saw a sign at McDonald's. Why don't you just do that, right? 
And then he actually sat down and talked to someone that was homeless. And, and that person said, well, let me tell you how it is. Just go out and get a job. You, if you're filling out an application, they ask for your address. What do you put? You don't have one? How do employers look at that? And what if you don't have steady transportation to get to a job every day? Or a raincoat or an umbrella so that you would walk in, you know, absolutely dripping wet. They, you can't stay and serve customers or whatever in that situation. It's not as easy as we think, right? So you, you, you begin to understand other factors that are going on here. And it's okay, light bulb goes on, right? Likewise, if you've never gotten beat to a pulp about every day of your life because you don't have a gang in your neighborhood offering you protection, you wouldn't understand why I choose to be a part of a gang. It's survival, right? Well, just stay away from that stuff. It ain't that easy. You know, we, we, we make all kinds of judgments and impressions when we don't have all the facts. Can I tell you that God has all the facts? Can, 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 can we remind ourselves today, God has all the facts. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows how everything is going to work out. He knows how this is going to affect this, is going to affect this, and how this person is going to affect this person, this person, and this person. He knows it all. He's got the eagle eye view. He sees everything. He knows everything. And he is the God of all wisdom, right? And he knows how to bring the highest good out of every situation that you and I may never understand this side of heaven. So trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. What, what are we leaning on? We're leaning on his understanding, aren't we? Somewhere along the line, Thomas got his eyes off of who Jesus was. Not, not, not necessarily Messiah, not necessarily King of Israel, but as someone who consistently demonstrated certain character qualities, who demonstrated his love for people over and over and over and over again, his compassion and his mercy over and over again, demonstrated his truthfulness and his faithfulness Right? In always doing what he said he would, he proved himself over and over and over. He demonstrated his ability to, to keep his word by doing, by doing undeniable miracles. Right? When Jesus says this is going to happen, and it happens, despite any other circumstances, over and over and over again, Thomas forgot that. Thomas limited his faith focusing on an event rather than a person. He looked at his own conclusions and unmet expectations rather than looking to and trusting in the one with proven character. Likewise, you and I, we face a lot of situations in life as believers, as Christians. We need to place our ultimate faith not in how a particular situation needs to work out, or even if it does. We need to place our ultimate faith 
in the character and nature of God. Yes, in our prayers, we, we, are, we are praying, we are hoping, and, and maybe you know we, we are hearing from God and, and things are going to turn around. But ultimately, it's not the circumstance. Ultimately, if it never works out the way I want it to, ultimately, our faith and our trust is in the character and nature of God. He's proven himself to us over and over that he is loving I mean, the cross. He died on the cross for us. He gave his life on the cross. How much more could he prove his love for you and I? Un, un, can't earn it, don't deserve it, giving us that incredible grace. Right? Proving himself over and over. Showing himself loving, gracious, wise, faithful, all-powerful, all-knowing, right? I, I, I love how Jesus, he, he, even in this, he, he appears in the room, he says, Thomas. You know, he wasn't there. When, when Thomas told the, told the rest, I'm, I, don't, I don't believe, you know, I, I, I need to see this. How did Jesus know that? It's been eight days, right? Because Jesus knows things, <laughs> right? He's all-knowing. So that's why he goes and gets there and says, Thomas, come here, right? He knew of the conversation. He knows what's going on in Thomas's heart. We focus our faith in who God is. So that when things don't happen the way we prayed that they would, or when circumstances leave us shaken, confused, right, unsettled, we don't have to rest on our own minds trying to make sense of something. We can rest in the character and nature of God. We can rest that He is working all things out together for the highest and the best good, whether we ever see it or not. Because we know who He is. Loving, compassionate, faithful, truthful, all-knowing, all-wise. So we trust Him. We trust Him. And we know beyond a doubt we see it all through the scripture. We see over and over and over again. He will eventually reveal his glory in all of it, won't he? Thomas, looking for an earthly kingdom, had no clue. Right? Again, he's, he's looking for Messiah to set up his throne there in Jerusalem. He had no clue that because of Jesus' death, millions and millions of people, including you and I, would be part of a heavenly kingdom, an eternal kingdom by the grace of God. Something that wouldn't happen if, you know, if there was a, a Jewish king in Israel ruling an earthly kingdom. Thomas had no idea the scope of what God was accomplishing, what Jesus was accomplishing through his death on the cross. Couldn't, couldn't even imagine it, right? Because our God our God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or even think. That's who He is. So, let's, need, let's not lean on our own understanding. 
but trust Him with all of our hearts. Because as Jesus told Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Let's put our faith and trust not in a circumstance, but in a person. A person who has shown himself to us over and over and over who he is. We can trust him. Right? From faith to faith. I, I, I used to you know, be all settled on how this was going to work out. And I have resolved, the older I get in the Lord, I, I just got to trust in him and who he is. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for showing us who you are, for revealing to us your, your love, first off, that you do care for us enough that Jesus died on the cross. We see your wisdom, Lord, throughout the scriptures. We see your faithfulness. We see your mercy, your compassion, your patience. We know, Lord, that you know everything, and we know very little a lot of times about what's really going on. So remind us, Lord, that we can put our trust, rest our trust completely in you and be people of strong faith all the time because of who you are. We thank you. We give you the praise. Through Christ we pray. Amen.